I think it's really just the head coach holding everyone accountable and uh, he puts such an emphasis on recruiting. Uh, you know, I think that is evident with our on-field success that we've had uh, over the past few years here since Coach Fickle's been here. Um, but really just holding everybody accountable and knowing that they better be responsible for their area and having a pulse on, on the players in their area and, you know, what a player may or may not be doing in the recruiting process and just knowing where we stand. Because if, you know, if you stand up in a staff meeting and say, uh, you know, we got a really great shot at this kid. You know, he, he really likes us. And then the next day, you know, he commits to a, another school and conference. You know, it's not going to really reflect well on you. Do I really look like the guy with a plan? Hello and welcome to another episode of Up Close in Personnel with Alex Brown. I am your host, Alex Brown, and this week we are joined by Austin Schaefer. Austin, who serves as the Director of Scouting for the University of Cincinnati, is entering his third year at Cincinnati after nearly four years at Purdue and another two years prior to that as an undergraduate student assistant back in his first stint at the University of Cincinnati. With this week's episode, Austin and I focused on what has led to Cincinnati's recruiting success under coach Luke Fickle, the topic of which is winning your in-state battles. During this conversation, we discussed the 50 and 300 mile radius approach used by Cincinnati in their recruiting process. And by honing in on their recruiting areas, you will hear just how their staff has been able to better connect with the area high school coaches and ultimately get the best information possible to make better informed decisions in their recruiting processes. Throughout this show, you can hear just how passionate Austin is about the evaluation process, starting from when he was a kid, just dreaming about taking over the Cleveland Browns franchise to now running the recruiting evaluation process for the Cincinnati Bearcats. We get deep into the weeds on how to develop a recruiting culture within your staff, what Austin's process looks like, and how to grow your network as a recruiter. And before we get into this conversation, please remember to subscribe, rate, and share the show if you haven't already. It's been an incredible first 15 episodes and we are just getting started. As always, please be sure to tweet at me with any topics you'd like to hear more about and email the show at upcloseinpersonnel at gmail.com. That's upcloseinpersonnel at gmail.com with any feedback and suggestions. So without further delay, I'll now bring in our guest of the week, Austin Schaefer, Director of Scouting with the Cincinnati Bearcats. Just hit a button, Morty. Give me a beat. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Um. Austin, welcome to the show. Alex, thanks for having me, man. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on. I, uh, I've been listening to the show since the inception, and I've loved the guests that you've had on, and uh, I think it's great for the, the sport of college football. No, I appreciate it. And it's so funny uh, because it was about a month and a half before I even decided to kick it off and start the show when I just blindly reached out and messaged you. And I totally forgot that I even messaged you. And so you hit me back. I think it was like halfway uh -huh. through, you know, like six or seven episodes in. And you were just, hey, man, let's catch up. Let's talk shop. And you said it earlier before this call, before we hit record. But this is the longest, this is definitely the longest break college recruiters and coaches have ever been on for, for good reason, for obvious, obvious reasons with COVID. 
but how have you managed this time period? I know in your world with being the director of scouting, I mean, this gives you all the time in the world to just comb through tape, but uh, at some point you, you definitely probably hit a, a break point, right? Yeah, for sure. I think we're pretty far along with the 21 class. Obviously we still have a few spots left to fill, you know, at a certain point we, we moved on to the 22s and we made some significant progress with those guys and uh, really far ahead on those and really just looking forward to September 1st and being able to really hone in on those guys and our, our area that we recruit. And um, I think we're in a good place with those guys. And then while I, you know, not watching tape and focusing on work stuff, just really taking some time for myself and, you know, catching up on shows, movies, uh, going on a lot of walks with our dog and my wife and uh, doing some professional development stuff as well. Awesome. And, uh, and I know your wife's been pretty, pretty dang busy and working towards being a nurse, right? Yeah, man. She's uh well, she is a, she's a registered nurse right now. Um, working in the cardiac ICU here at UC, but, uh, working towards being a nurse practitioner and, um, you know, getting through the COVID period. Uh, so shout out to her as well. Yeah. Shout out to every medical worker out there right now. I mean, it is absolutely crazy. And, uh, we need those people in our corner to get this, this season on the road. So, yeah, absolutely. So getting the show, you know, kicked off now in your mind, what makes somebody a good recruiter? I think what makes somebody a great recruiter is just being genuine and authentic. Uh, you know, when then you're talking with a kid, um, just being your true self so they can get to know you and, um, you know, be in, authentic also with the people in their life, their parents, their champion, their coach. Uh, so you can get all of the necessary information that you need uh, throughout the recruiting process. And, uh, you know, just knowing, knowing your area, knowing the, the coaches in your area that you can talk to. And, um, you know, you may go to that school's rival high school coach and he, you may say, Hey, you know, who do you, have in the area that I need to go check out. And, you know, if you have a good relationship, you know, if you're, you're open and honest with them, uh, they'll, they'll give you a little bit of information as well. And I think that'll really help, uh, really navigate the area. Um, and I think just being, you know, honest and, and open with the coaches, the other coaches on staff as well, you know, in a staff meeting, really having a, a good enough relationship with the kid to know, this is where we're at with the kid and the recruiting process. You know, we got to, maybe we got to make up some ground. Uh, this is what the kid needs to see on his next visit. Um, just knowing where we stand with the kid and uh, being able to just really have a good pulse on the recruiting process. When you say be honest in communication staff meetings, I really like that because I think it's, it's easy to kind of get caught up in the, just let somebody else do the talking and just say yes and keep it moving. You know, mm -hmm. don't, don't be the person that, you know, stops the bill and, and has the tough conversation. So how, how do you build that into your culture? Cause everybody talks about the word culture, culture, this culture, that, and I think that you ultimately take on the persona of your head coach. I think the head coach ultimately will kind of set the tone. Right. But uh -huh. what, what about, and I wanted to talk about this a little later, but 
I mean, just how do you how do you create that open line of communication when it comes to those conversations as a staff internally? I think it's really just the head coach holding everyone accountable and uh, he puts such an emphasis on recruiting. Uh, you know, I think that is evident with our on field success that we've had over the past few years here since Coach Fickle's been here. Um, but really just holding everybody accountable and knowing that they better be responsible for their area and having a pulse on on the players in their area and, you know, what a player may or may not be doing in the recruiting process and just knowing where we stand. Because if, you know, if you stand up in a staff meeting and say, uh, you know, we got a really great shot at this kid, you know, he, he really likes us. And then the next day, you know, he commits to a, another school and conference you know, it's not going to really reflect well on you. So just knowing kind of where where you are with the kid and just being truthful and not, you know, blowing smoke, I think, is kind of a, a reflection of the head coach and just knowing that he's going to hold you accountable for your recruiting in your area, um, I think, is kind of reflected with uh, the results that we've had over the past couple of years recruiting-wise. There's, there's no doubt about that. And, and that's, that's going to be the main, main point that I, I can't wait to talk to you about. So obviously you've gotten a chance to really ingrain yourself at Cincinnati in both as a undergrad and now working as director of scouting, but you've mm -hmm. also been at Purdue and, and you've been around a lot of other great recruiters. So who's the best recruiter you've been around and why? Oh man, that's a, that's a tough question. I've been around a lot of really good ones. So Marcus Freeman, our defensive coordinator here at UC, um, I actually worked with him at Purdue as well, um, but he's just always dialed up with his approach and his game plan recruiting-wise. Any staff meeting, you know, he'll be able to tell you the, the exact plan for recruiting that kid. And um, he's got a pretty high hit rate on guys that, you know, we're going after. Um, if he's on the recruitment of that kid, you know, you know we're probably going to end up with him having a plan and, and and then not just having the plan, but executing on that plan. Those, those are to, two totally different items in, in, in general. Yeah. So, you, you know, cause it, it's easy to, to know, okay, we've got to win mom or we've got to mm -hmm. sell him on the fact that we can get him this engineering degree and this job that, you know, that he's so passionate about like, okay, yeah. So how are you going to prove to that kid that this is the best place for him long-term? So then from a, I guess from a philosophy standpoint and how you operate now as you're a, you know, a head of a department, you run the scouting and, and the evaluations when it comes to the recruiting side of things, who's been your biggest influence on how you do things? Uh, my biggest influence uh, by far would be Mike Waugh, our former director of player personnel here at Cincinnati. Um, Mike actually brought me in as a student intern back in 2012. I, Came back from the NFL scouting combine. Uh, my mentor at the time was Gene Smith of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's from the same, helped mentor me through the process. And I met up with him uh, during the sophomore year uh, that I was in college. And he said, you know, I, I kind of shared with him my goals and when I, what I wanted in a career. And he said, you know, bottom line is you got to be, you want to work in football, you got to be doing whatever it is. And, in college football back at Cincinnati uh, with the Bengals. You got to get involved somehow. And assistant to the head coach, she picked up, uh, she received my email. And Mike Waugh had actually just got there from Marshall University. 
and it was just him. You know, this is still when the, the college recruiting departments are starting to really take off. And um, he had just got there from Marshall. It was just him. And I think he was gladly looking for some help and got my stuff forwarded along to him. He, he reached out to me. And ever since then, you know, we were consecutive seasons. Actually, it was eight consecutive seasons together. So I, you know, as a student working right under him as, as the only assistant to him, uh, you know, he gave me a lot of responsibility and I kind of got thrown into the fire uh, pretty quickly and uh, got a lot of responsibility, you know, managing the boards and making the tags. And, you know, as, as a first time in football, you know, I just thought it was the coolest thing ever and I uh, couldn't wait to go to work every day. And I still have that feeling. Um, but, you know, it was just, you know, from going to not even knowing where to begin um, to that point in, in just a matter of weeks uh, was pretty surreal. And uh, he he really just showed me everything, man, uh, from, you know, how to when the team travels, you know, proper etiquette on, you know, just keep your mouth shut and, uh, you know, don't ask too many questions, that type of thing. But uh, how to watch film, how to evaluate film, uh, really everything from top to bottom throughout the process, I was able to uh, to learn under him. And uh, so that he gave me my start as an undergrad. And then uh, he took a job at Purdue University in 2014 as a director of player personnel. Uh, I had actually just graduated from Cincinnati and he brought me along as a GA for recruiting. Um, and there uh, kind of, we had a three person department there and I got a lot of responsibility there too. Wore a lot of hats, gave tours, watched tape, uh, did a lot of a lot of things, and uh, I feel like being able to see the whole process there and how it unfolds, you know, really helped still benefit me today. And even though I'm just doing the scouting and evaluation settings, um, I was really able to be immersed in the entire process at Purdue and, and kind of see everything from top to bottom there. Um, but he, you know, just continuously learning from Mike and how he interacts with coaches and how he handles himself with recruits and, you know, speaking in front of recruits, um, you know, during junior days and game day visits and um, just uh, a lot of things that I learned from Mike Waugh and uh, still a great friend to this day and uh, can't say enough great things about him. So he's definitely my biggest influence. Um, another influence, I would say, uh, is Don Dunn, who, after Mike left uh, Purdue for Cincinnati, Don Dunn came in, uh, and this was the Brom staff, their first year at Purdue. They brought Don in as a director of player personnel, and uh, he came. He was a lifelong defensive line coach. He was at Auburn University with uh, Tommy Tuberville for the, the great run that they had there, and then he was at Western Kentucky. Uh, and then Purdue for a season. And uh, I really, you know, he, he doesn't have a huge background in player personnel, which makes this interesting. But, um, just the things that I learned from such a big influence on me is um, the importance that he puts on, you know, building such a great relationship with the kid and the, the parents and the emphasis that he really put on the actual physical male. Um, he was all about being intentional with the male and 
uh, what we did at Purdue, he called him Rod's recruit of the day. And he would have, you know, we would pick, you know, three or four guys and, and everybody on staff, you know, it's, they would write them. It's not a, you know, completely unheard of practice. I'm sure a lot of people do it, but uh, the, just the emphasis that he put on it and getting all the coaches, how, you know, I mean, you know, some coaches aren't always on board with writing their letters, but um, he would always get on people if they weren't writing their letters. And I think if you look at that, the last class that I was a part of at Purdue, um, we signed, uh, you know, Rondell Moore amongst some other big time players. Um, it was all a product of, you know, building that relationship and uh, sending them the letters. And uh, I really think, you know, staying on a lot of those guys and, and writing some of our top guys uh, pretty consistently really, really benefited. Um, and another thing that I learned from Don is just the, the emphasis on community and camaraderie with, within a staff. You know, every Thursday night, Don would always, he would have all of our young GAs and support staff members um, and, and then some coaches that were not with their wives. Um, some, of them, some of them would even come with their families and kids too, but would just have huge gatherings at his, uh, at his apartment and he loved to barbecue and, and just put on a good time. And, and it was great to just kind of let loose after uh, a week at work, uh, you know, before the game that weekend. But uh, those are two things that I really took from him that, you know, this is a, a very unique profession and you meet a lot of really, really cool and interesting people. And, you know, you don't want to move on to the next place without knowing a lot about that person. And you never know where that relationship might take you. You know, a coach takes another job or even a, a fellow support staff member, and they take another job. And because maybe you, you know, you shared some great conversation over some barbecue and a brew, um, you know, you, you know a lot more about that person. And then when it comes time to, you know, hey, I need a, an assistant director of player personnel or, you know, I need a new corners coach, uh, you know, you know all about that person and, and what they can do, um, not only as a coach, but what kind of person they are off the field as well. And I think those are two of my biggest influences recruiting wise, but I think really everybody that I've been around uh, in college football from all facets of the program, you know, whether it be good or bad, I think they've influenced me in some way, you know, whether it's, hey, that's a really great way of doing that or that's a, a bad way of doing that. I don't really want to do that. Uh, I want to make a mental note of that and, and not do that in the future. Uh, it's influenced me in one way or another. It sounds like you're very observant. So, so you, you're in a situation as a, you know, an underclassman, you know, re recruiting intern, and then you go on to be a recruiting GA and recruiting analyst. And you, you slowly are climbing the ranks and you get an opportunity to just watch people. Is that, has that always been your approach as far as just how you learn? Just, you just try to absorb as much as you can. Yeah, I would say so. I, I think uh, just observing people and, and making just a, a Rolodex of mental notes, you know, just keeping that in your head and just knowing, you know, what to do in certain situations because you've seen how uh, a successful person in that position has handled it or, you know, maybe they handled it the wrong way and, you know, that 
leaves a burning image in your mind of, hey, don't don't be that guy in the future. So um, I think definitely being observant, um, not just people uh, that I work with, you know, in, in football, but also trying to watch, you know, the the best, you know, in professional sports, whether it be the NBA, uh, the uh, NHL, MLB, trying to watch some of those guys and and study what they do and how they build their team so successfully and uh, just making notes on those guys as well. Who are some other teams that you look at and really try to take notes from? Because the, the Cubs way is a book that me and Johnny Kovach talked about a couple episodes back. That was one that was awesome for me, but I'm curious to know like what, what teams you look at. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm a big, big Cleveland sport guy. And one of the reasons that I wanted to become a member of the, the player personnel community and, you know, ultimately, you know, my goal was to become general manager of the Cleveland Browns is what I would always tell my dad, because we would watch every Browns game growing up and, you know, they just had years and years of dysfunction and, you know, constantly, you know, coach turnover and, you know, at the concerns with them and he would always say, you know, well, you have all the, the answers and the ideas, so why don't you become the GM? And, you know, that was when I was in my, my younger years and that ever, you know, ever since he said that, that just is really what's kind of fueled me and my quest for, you know, eventually, you know, getting into the NFL, hopefully, and I'm working my way up to, to be a GM, but really studying the dysfunction and, you know, the lack of success that they've had and studying what it is that they did wrong and what could they do to eventually get to the playoffs and, and become a successful team. So I'd say the Browns, definitely. Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, obviously things are easy when you have LeBron, but uh, one thing, and I've read probably three or four different books by some of the, the local Cleveland authors that have documented that run to the championship in 2016. But one thing that really stood out to me, and this was in 2011 when they, they drafted Kyrie Irving and Tristan Thompson. Obviously, Kyrie wasn't too hard to predict he would be pretty successful in the NBA, but not a lot of people had Tristan Thompson pegged as a, a top pick. And Chris Grant, the general manager at the time, he took him fourth overall. And I think the conviction that he had to take Tristan at that spot and, you know, say, screw all of the, the consensus ratings and I, this is my guy, I'm going to go get him. Uh, I think, you know, ultimately Chris Grant wasn't there in 2016 when they won the title, but um, because of, you know, he had that, that conviction behind the pick and uh, he ultimately made that pick of Tristan Thompson, who was a, a key member of the, the finals team and, you know, just kept extending plays and getting rebounds and, you know, didn't really show up as much as LeBron and Kyrie in the stat line, but just was a, a real good glue guy and uh, extended a lot of plays with his hustle. And it just shows you, you know, I think that's one of the big things that I've learned in personnel is that you got to, once you're convicted either way, you know, good or bad about a player, you need to be able to verbalize that and stand on the table for a guy and not let, if a cook doesn't like that guy that you're standing on the table for, 
you need to be able to, you know, stand by your evaluation and, uh, you know, if you're confident in it, you're confident in it and, you know, just being, being true to yourself and, and not letting a coach try to sway your opinion on a player. Being able to verbalize it and really not just stand up for a player, but stand your ground on it and not, not be so easily influenced. I think that's, yeah. that's an overlooked part of it. Cause it's easy. It's easy to just like, well, okay. He didn't like him. So I, maybe I, maybe I probably shouldn't like him. Yeah. That, that's uh you know, that's one of the things that I really learned, you know, early on in my career, you know, it's easy to kind of regurgitate something that you hear from, you know, Mel Kuyper or, maybe another coach said it, but really as I've gotten older and have been, you know, building my catalog of players, being able to really advance my, my scouting vocabulary and being able to express, you know, what I see on the tape and writing that on an eval and being able to stand my ground and like you said, verbalize it and, and just being able to, you know, when a coach, may not have the same opinion as you, you know, really defend what you think of the player and, uh, you know, just being true to yourself. And, and then also having a dialogue, the back and forth, because so many times I learn more about our offense or our scheme or maybe the, the perspective or angle of the coach. He's looking at it a completely different perspective of like, yes, you're not wrong about how you're looking at this player, but with what we're losing, with what we're trying to do, with what, with the direction we're trying to take this thing from a schematic standpoint, this is what I'm looking for. So then that helps me. The no helps me get to that next yes of, okay, if this isn't the fit, okay, now what are we looking for? And that's, that's when you get the really productive conversations. So now that's, this is good stuff. You said that you were having to catch up on your TV shows. So uh, what's, What's on Netflix right now? What's on Hulu for you? Really, you know, not a lot of new stuff. I've been rewatching The Office because I've heard they're going to, I guess, NBC starting their own streaming platform and they're going to be taking The Office off here sometime soon. But really been getting through The Office. And I tell you what, it, it gets funnier and funnier the more you watch it. And uh, our golden retriever that I mentioned earlier, um, we actually named him Dwight after Dwight Schrute. Yes. So uh, one of the greatest characters in TV history, but re-watching The Office, uh, re-watching Entourage, one of my favorite shows. A new show uh, that my wife and I, we got through, I, there's only one season of it right now, but it's called Little Fires Everywhere. It's on Hulu. Uh, Reese Witherspoon and Kerry Washington are in it, and amongst some other people, but that was a pretty good show. Not, you know, not a lot of live sports to watch, but reruns on Big Ten Network, uh, ESPN Classic, just, you know, a lot of a lot of great games on. You know, there was a time when NBC was showing, they were showing the Super Bowls, really uh, great Super Bowls from the past, and uh, those were fun to watch. Um, but, yeah, man, just re-watching some stuff. If you like The Office, have you checked out Space Force yet with Steve Carell? <laughs> I haven't. I've seen it on the uh, – you know, things you may like uh, on Netflix, but I haven't gotten to it yet. I've only gotten a couple episodes in. It's ridiculous, just like The Office. So yeah, you, you need, oh, to, take, you need to give it a chance. Yeah, for sure. So uh, let's get into your background. So you said that Gene Smith was a mentor early on for you. Now, 
I know you started out, you know, your first recruiting opportunity was at Cincinnati when Mike took over. Uh -huh. uh, but like, what, what was your path? And, and I know that, you know, just hearing you talk about the Browns and studying dysfunctional teams, uh, you know, the Cavs were struggling uh -huh. for a long, long time before the 2016. Yeah. And it's so similar. It's crazy. Uh, to me growing up, I was in the same situation because I didn't get to see the good Cowboys. I saw the bad Cowboys. Oh, I saw, yeah. I saw Chad Hutchison. I saw, you know, Drew Henson, uh, Quincy Carter, um, uh -huh. you name it. I, I mean, they, they were all coming through there. Clint Sterner. I mean, every, every single one of them. And, uh, Meanwhile, the, the Rangers flipped the switch and the Mavericks flipped the switch. Um, and so it, you've kind of got a chance to see that with the Cavs and, you know, you, you've seen the Browns kind of go through their deal. But just talk me through, you know, that whole process of falling in love with the game and, and how you wound up at Cincinnati and where you are now. So just falling in love with the game, you know, my dad, he uh, got me – started with the Browns and just always, you know, we were always throwing the football outside. You know, we would sometimes make bets and stuff where I would, you know, if I caught third consecutive passes in a row, he would take me to the local drugstore to buy a pack of cards or, um, you know, we were always going to Browns training camp and uh, amongst some other sporting events as well. But he, you know, I, I think definitely got me in, uh, to really love the game of football and I just I loved other sports as well but for whatever reason football was just such a passion of mine and uh just growing up you know playing it flag football all the way up to high school um and then once I got to the point where I was looking to make a college decision I knew I wanted to have a career in professional football like I mentioned um going back to the, the whole Browns thing but uh, I knew at the University of Cincinnati, there was a, a lot of opportunity out there to, to uh, get involved with sports, but mainly, you know, with the university and the, the Bengals as well. Uh, so I chose Cincinnati. And while I was going back to the high school time, uh, I had actually read, it was probably my junior year, uh, the local paper, they were honoring Gene Smith in their uh, local high school hall of fame. And I put the connection together. You know, that's a Jacksonville Jaguars general manager. And I thought that was awesome. And I was just uh, so curious as to how one gets involved with that. Because, um, you know, I, I tell my wife all the time because, you know, there's been times where she's like, you know, are, are there any jobs out there, you know, in Florida, just jokingly. And I was like, well, it's not like, you know, a lot of other job job search uh, websites where they just there's postings on postings. You know, you really got to know the right people. There's got to be right place, right time. And, and it's unlike any other profession for sure. But um, I was going back to my curiosity. I, I was just so curious as to how one breaks into the field. And I reached out to Gene. I, I sent him a handwritten letter and just asking how we got involved with it and just express my interest and, in, you know, wanting to make a career in the NFL myself one day. And he, I'm not sure how long it, it actually was uh, that went in between him getting back to me, but he did email me back and uh, 
you know, answered all the questions that I had and told me to drop him a line anytime I had a question or, or needed advice with anything. And uh, that kind of, you know, transitioned into my time at the University of Cincinnati. And I made it a point to go seek him out at the Combine and, and really just sit down with him. And I met up with him in the Starbucks to the JW Marriott, which I don't know if you've attended the Combine, but it's like Grand Central Station. Uh, you know, every NFL personnel member, uh, general manager, they're all there getting their morning coffee before they head over to the stadium. And he introduced me to, you know, he didn't have to do this at all, but introduced me to all of his buddies, you know, all general managers across the league. And, you know, it was so surreal, you know, growing up playing Madden and, uh, you know, running dynasty mode. You know, you, you dream of being them and in that position. Um, and that's when it really started to become real for me. And, uh, you know, we that's when going back to the story of how I got started at Cincinnati, uh, he told me, you know, you got to go back and get involved, you know, whatever capacity you can do that. Maybe if you're working in equipment or, you know, whatever, uh, just get involved with the program and, Luckily enough, I was able to get involved with recruiting um, and, you know, being in the position I was with Mike where uh, I was his only assistant for a while. Um, but that's just that's kind of how it all got started for me. And then, um, you know, once I was with Mike, it just kind of took off from there. The, the word you kept using was curiosity. And I think that's uh -huh. so cool. That's, that's such a cool story about how you, you went out of your way to write that letter to him on how you break into this, because that's the number one most asked question. Mm -hmm. And I felt like when I was in college trying to break in, because I went to a college that didn't have a football program, I was like, this is never going. There's that moment in your mind, you're like, it was this ever going to happen? Yeah. And, and you just got to battle that and continue to be intentional, like with like the, the intentionality with your time, you know, going out of your way to write him, going out of your way to follow up, going out of your way to go to the combine and sit down, find time to meet with them. Like, that's what it takes. It's not going to just happen. Nobody's going to hand you this job. Mm -hmm. So obviously you, you transitioned and you had the opportunity, the timing was right for you to, to really have a massive role. So even though you were a recruiting intern, you were getting the experience of what now equates to recruiting analysts and, you know, yeah recruiting coordinators, like there, there are so many different jobs because it's so specialized. Um, I was in the same type of situation with Adrian Mays at Houston, where it was, you know, me and two other recruiting interns and, and it was all hands on deck. Like didn't matter what time of the day it was like, we're all in this together and you better know how to do every component of the recruiting process. So I guess walk me through the differences between being at Cincinnati <laughs> move into Purdue and now you're back at Cincinnati. So going back to the earliest question we talked about, um, you know, just culture of, we talked about more of culture within your staff and, and culture of having open lines of communication and being able to talk and be honest with each other. But uh, the, the question I really wanted to ask you is like, what are the differences between the first time you were at Cincinnati and then when you came back? Yeah, I think, uh, so when I was here as a student back in 2012 and 2013, um, it was 2012 was 
Butch Jones's last year before he left for Tennessee, and then the next year was Tommy Tuberville's first year. So as a student, I, you know, I was kind of involved, but not as involved as obviously the full-time staff members. But you were still able to, you know, see some things, you know, being in the office. But I think being here at Cincinnati this time around, just seeing how Coach Fickle operates and how he's implemented his tough and nasty culture here is kind of what he preaches. Um, it's, you know, holding people accountable, not just the players, but the staff, like I mentioned as well. And just having that blue collar, tough mindset. And I think that's what's really, you, you see it reflected on the field um, and showing up in the, the recent success that we've had. Yeah. And the director of scouting role, it's so new. It's so different. We talked about it on, on the first time you and I got on the phone, but for our listeners out there that don't maybe understand the full concept, um, talk about how you guys have broken up recruiting and scouting and what the diff the main differences are in those two roles. So what got me to Cincinnati, uh, when Mike Waugh, when he got back here, um, he offered me the position director of scouting and really, you know, I love everything about the recruiting process, but you know, Mike knew my, my end goal of uh, becoming a GM and uh, being able to come back to UC and be able to really just focus on evaluating and getting the best possible players that we can and being responsible for the process is really what intrigued me about coming back and taking that next step in my career. Oh, that's, that's really cool. And, and I think it's, it's definitely a, the next wave for recruiting is, is the fact that you need an entire department for it because there's so many different buckets and, and, and talent pools to evaluate and so much information to gather. You have so much more access to it. So you, you really need to spend the resources to be able to do that effectively and thoroughly um, mm -hmm. while also being able to recruit because now, I mean, there's so many different means of connecting with recruits as we've seen in this COVID time period of Zoom calls and you know social media and, and how you're getting your content out and how you're connecting with recruits virtually, not just when they're on campus and brick and mortar. So how has that process been for y'all? Because I know y'all had a lot of momentum like you talked about right when it hit and you've kind of been able to carry that and you've had a couple of recent you know big news hit the, hit the feed. So how, how have y'all navigated COVID? Uh, it really, I think, just with our staff, our recruiting staff, and uh, myself, uh, going back to your, your last question, I, I didn't fully answer it. I apologize. But um, going back to your last question with our recruiting staff, uh, myself, you know, kind of handling the scouting side and making sure that, you know, we're on top of everybody, you know, both 21 and 22. Um, but also our, our director of recruiting, Chad Bowden, you know, he does a phenomenal job of maintaining the relationships and building new relationships with anybody that we're getting on. But uh, he kind of handles the, the recruiting side. And then Pat Lambert, who actually played at UC back in the early 2010s, he's our director of on-campus recruiting. You know, not a lot of on-campus recruiting going on right now with COVID, but um, just really being able to come together and, you know, if I'm not really evaluating that many guys during COVID, you know, maybe helping out 
with other facets of the recruiting process and really just being able to put on a different hat other than, you know, your director scouting hat or your director of on-campus recruiting and just, you know, embracing that we, we're a three-person staff versus, you know, a lot of other schools, they might have, you know, five, six, seven full-time people um, and just really embracing that underdog mentality and kind of being able to come together and um, be united and just do whatever it takes to keep securing uh, the best possible class we can here at Cincinnati. Blue-collar mindset, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, that's it. Like, you, it, it's got to be uh, throughout the whole program, you know, and, and you guys have a chance to show that to recruits too, by the way you, you get after it and communicate. And um, just seeing the content that y'all put out on on social and, and the, the feedback you guys get, it's it does show the work that you guys put in. So the, the big topic that I wanted to cover with you this week was how do you really win your in-state battles? Because I feel like really what Coach Fickle has, has brought to Cincinnati is, is turned it into the H-Town takeover of the Midwest. I mean, you guys have locked down Ohio in a way that nobody really has. Um, and, and, and that's been really impressive to see as an outsider. So, you know, just looking through your staff, I mean, it was just a constant Midwest experience after Midwest experience, guys from Michigan, guys from, you know, West Virginia, so many guys from Cincinnati, Columbus, um, you know, so many Ohio ties and, and I'm sure experience recruiting that area. So what, what are some, you know, concrete examples of how the experiences that your staff already had heading into this, you know, Luke Fickle being the, the main culprit. I mean, just how much he's invested into that state from, from a recruiting angle. What, what are some concrete examples of how that's directly related to the success y'all have had on the road? I think it all goes back to just relationships and, and being genuine. You know, what I'm, I said about being what makes a great recruiter, you know, just being genuine and, and open and authentic with, the high school coaches in your area and having those great relationships. And, you know, it might be a kid that that coach has at that school or, you know, going back to other kids in the area. Um, I think just the relationships, having such great and strong relationships with all of the coaches in the, the 300 mile radius uh, to Cincinnati that we recruit so heavily. Uh, has been extremely beneficial for us. And, you know, they, the coach is a great resource to let you know where a kid stands as well. And, um, you know, just relationships, relationships, relationships. Kind of the follow-up to that, for, for younger recruiters, for younger coaches, um, younger people in the industry, and, and even, shoot, even high school coaches, like, what's the best way to develop that network, that recruiting network to really have, you know, a quote unquote pipeline um, in a certain area and, and, and kind of master that and take ownership of that because it, it's definitely something that kind of gets thrown around um, very vaguely. It's like, Oh, he's got so much, you know, recruiting experience. And mm -hmm. I, I just being in it, I know it, it takes a village to, to get kids signed. It takes, it doesn't, it's not just one person signing a, a recruit, but there are always lead recruiters and there are always people that are more tied into different schools. So what are some, you know, actionable 
pieces of information for, for people listening to the show to, to develop their recruiting network? I think for young coaches, you know, working camps in the summer, uh, you know, college coaches from other schools, you may run into, uh, you may see other high school coaches at different camps, but uh, if you're a young coach, just getting in front of as many other coaches as you can and maybe getting out in front and running some drills, um, just really networking that way. I think if you're more so on the personnel side and you're trying to continue to expand your network, really just, you know, a lot of professional development. Um, there's, you know, been countless Zoom calls with other directors of player personnel and uh, people in the scouting, college scouting community that, you know, if you're a young guy, I think it's, they, they welcome everybody. If you're a young guy, I think getting on there and um, trying to, to meet some new people that way. Uh, the personnel symposium, unfortunately, doesn't look like it's going to be able to go this year. But uh, the past two years, they've had that in Nashville, and that's been phenomenal in terms of being able to you know, network with some people throughout the college football community. Um, but if you're um, in scouting as well and you're looking to build your, your relationship and your network with high school coaches, you know, Early on in my career, I was calling high school coaches, getting background information, uh, getting transcripts, getting more information on the kids. So I, and uh, you know, at Purdue, we recruited some different areas than we are recruiting here at Cincinnati. But for the most part, you're still recruiting the Midwest. And uh, a lot of those coaches that I called early on in my career, I, you know, they're still at those schools and hey, you know, remember me, you know, we recruited so-and-so at Purdue and, you know, oh, hey, how he, how's he doing now, you know, for you guys. And I think you might just do it without even thinking, you know, I may never talk to this guy again as you're starting it as a, a young intern. Um, but if you really just have a, a open and, and honest conversation with that coach and, you know, really remember that coach's name and, uh, he may remember you in the future, and it may really benefit you when you're recruiting one of, another one of his players or uh, really just anything down the line. And I think there's so much to be said for that. If you take the approach, oh, I'm never going to talk to this guy again, then, yeah, you probably won't ever talk to that guy again because he's he's not going to – there's, there's going to be no connection, no human element, n no reason for, for a follow-up, right? And, and I think if you treat people like you would want someone to treat you on a phone call and, and give them your time and, and let them be heard and let them talk about all the players that they, you know, like, Hey, you know, besides this player that I'm calling you about, like, are there any other guys you think that we should be evaluating and then following up and, and letting that coach know, Hey, this is where we're at with the, the recruit. And this is what, what's going on. I, that's the thing that, coaches just want to know they just want to know one way or the other so that they don't have that recruit kind of waiting you know hand and foot for an answer on, on whether a school is legitimately interested but i think for me personally just to, to tag along is there are so many moments when you're finishing a run or you're driving on a long commute or you're driving to the grocery store by yourself or you know you just finished a long work day and you're about to drive home you just grab the phone and call somebody. And, and I used to do this when I would commute, you know, back and forth from Arlington to, to Houston to see family. 
and uh you know i could knock out six seven eight calls and i would just scroll yeah. through my through my directory and i just pick somebody and when you call somebody without uh, a transaction involved when you call somebody you know just to check up on them one it, it's going to make you feel better it's going to make that person feel better but you're definitely depositing something into the bank that mm -hmm. when you do need something that person's gonna like pick up the phone and say hey what's going on man because they know it's not necessarily about transactions it's not necessarily about you know i need something from you it's a hey i enjoy talking to this person and life's too short like these i mean these positions are going to come and go and college football is a transient thing like at the end of the day like why would you not want to use your platform in recruiting and coaching to get a bunch of friends because that's the way i get to look at it and yeah absolutely I'm, 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 i know you do too i'm, I'm sure because um you know mike knew a bunch of scouts that i know and those mm -hmm. scouts have called me and said hey like have you thought about anybody up there i'm like oh actually i have the cincinnati guy coming on this week so um small world and it, and it gets even smaller and smaller with technology so going on to my next question for you so right now you guys are battling not just for you know three stars and two stars or non-ranked guys like you guys are pulling in four star guys you're pulling in big fish and that doesn't start junior year that doesn't start senior year oftentimes it's got to start sophomore freshman you got to be on these guys early um like mm -hmm. ed oliver for instance the the five star we signed at, at houston the staff before us had offered him when he was in ninth grade they offered him way before i mean they had already laid the groundwork so um i think last year you guys signed four four-star recruits correct yes so it's just incredible um it, it's we we didn't sign that many if we combined our four and five stars we were at that mark but that's kind of like the new standard if you could paint the perfect picture like perfect scenario what does the evaluation and the recruitment process look like for one of those big recruits that you guys are trying to make the you know the pillar of a class and, and really build around a you know a really a program changing type of talent like walk me through what that timeline looks like when when do you identify them how early do you jump on them what are the steps that need to be taken before you offer them and what are the steps that you need to take to get to a commitment you know there's some guys as you know, you know, you watch the tape their their ninth grade year and you can say, hands down, that guy, he's going to be a player. He's going to be a player for us. And, you know, within the rules of recruiting nowadays, you just do as much as you can uh, throughout that kid's recruitment uh, leading up to, you know, ultimately September 1st, their junior year, when you can really just knock their socks off with the mail and everything else that, that comes with it. But uh, getting them, you know, talking to their high school coach, you know, going back to having a great relationship with the high school coach and uh, getting them to camp, you know, getting them to, to call the coach because we can't call them until a certain point. Um, but really, you know, if you can identify those guys early on and uh, you know that they're going to be a future difference maker for Cincinnati, uh, you know, being able to just do everything within the rules that you can until uh, you can really just inundate them with graphics and, uh, you know, the personalized stuff, you know, when they come and do 20 different photo shoots and you have 
uh, a lot of content at your disposal, uh, just being able to do everything in the meantime until you get to that point um, and just continuing to build that relationship. And anytime you get them on campus, you know, they may come as a young kid with an upperclassman that we're recruiting from that school and just really using that opportunity to let them know that, hey, you're going to be a guy for us. And, um, you know, when that day comes, you know, we're going to recruit the heck out of you and um, just making sure they feel the love, but also not fake love, just real genuine love. And um, I think that's what's really helped us with a lot of these these local guys that we've been able to, to sign over the past two years and uh, just building those real relationships and getting them on campus time after time for games, for junior days, you know, just, it might just be, they want to come hang out after their practice and, and talk to coach, you know, just very casually, but um, just the relationships, man, especially with the guys in the city and in the 50 mile radius up to Dayton, you know, they're about an hour away. Um, but going up to there as well, you know, we've been, that area has been pretty good to us. Um, but just doing everything within the rules that you can until uh, you can really, really start to recruit the heck out of them and uh, making sure they know that they're a priority for Cincinnati. So you, you just mentioned 50 mile radius. So is there like, like 300 mile radius is the national, is, is as national as you go. And then 50 mile is your, what you would term your, your local recruits. Um, I would say the 50 mile radius is, is really what we know everything about. Uh, you definitely want to know everybody within that area, uh, especially if a school, even if it's a MAC school, if they may offer a kid, uh, you want to know everything there is to know about that kid. Um, get them in camp, see them in the springtime working out. Um, but the 50 mile radius is definitely uh, a big part of what we do. And we want to know every, every kid in that area. Uh, and then the 300 mile radius, we, that's kind of our, our area where, you know, it goes a little bit North of Detroit up to Chicago, uh, just slightly North of Atlanta, you know, covers Nashville, Pittsburgh, it's kind of the cutoff for the, the eastern part of that 300-mile radius. But we spend a lot of time in that 300-mile radius because Cincinnati is so accessible to Indianapolis, Chicago. You can be there in five hours. Detroit, uh, you know, it's about four. Nashville, about five hours. And it's also accessible uh, with a car. And it's there's a lot of really good football there. So we have really just hammered that area. And I think if you actually wrote down some numbers uh, for, for those areas in 2020, the 300 mile radius, we signed 16 of the 20 high school kids that we, we signed were from the 300 mile radius. 11 were from Ohio and six were from the 50 mile radius. And then in 2019, 14 of the 15 high school kids we signed were from the 300 mile seven of which were from Ohio and four were from the 50 mile stuff. So, you know, you look at the numbers, you can see the emphasis that we put on, on that area. And, you know, we don't totally neglect the other, the other areas that we have, the secondary areas, uh, but Georgia and Florida, you know, we, if you look at our classes, those are reflected as well. 
Um, but really, one of the big things that I learned at Purdue was if you stretch yourself so thin with your recruiting areas, you know, you're, you're not going to get as much out of it as you'd like. And when I came to Cincinnati, you know, I had lists of you know, Texas players and uh, a lot of other states, you know, Alabama and all those states have really great high school football. But, um, you know, Mike told me, you know, it's here at Cincinnati, you know, the new the way of, of recruiting and the new areas. We're doing 300 mile radius. You know, we'll occasionally go to other states to get a player, but we're really working those areas. And it's, you know, it's proved me wrong. Uh, you know, from from what I used to do with Mike at Purdue, um, just seeing the results and the on-field results of of what recruiting the 300 mile in the state of Ohio can really do for the program. And uh, not saying that's right or wrong. You know, I know you guys you guys have a lot of connections across the country, and everybody is going to do things their own way. And that's what that's what really works for us at Cincinnati. Um, but that's kind of the the 300 mile and the 50 mile radius. Yeah, and and and, and a bulk of our class, uh, majority of our team is from Texas. I mean, Texas is going to be the lifeblood for for this program, regardless. Um, and there's specific pocket areas like California and Florida and Georgia. Um, you know, Nashville has been really good with grades and stuff like that. But um, I, I I do want to ask. Isn't there kind of like a uh, there's there's definitely a little bit of a, a bias because you an exposure bias where you're around a kid that's local so often that you know every little detail about him you know all of the warts you know you know all of the negatives and it's easier to look outside the state and be like oh well this guy does this this and this well and it's it's hard because it puts you in a bind as an evaluator where you probably have more pieces of data and more pieces of information on the local kid. And it's probably leading you to be a little more negative than if you had the same information on player X out of state. So I guess in, in your world, being the director of scouting, how do you balance the amount of information that you have on two different players when you're going into making a decision? And how do you systematically like, you know, remain consistent at taking those players in state that you do have all that information on? I think the, just the amount of information that you know about a guy and on a player, I think is really going to help when you, you take a guy to coach fickle. Um, because if you, if you have your guy from the 50 mile or the 300 mile radius and, you know, he's been on campus multiple times and you know, all there is to know about that kid and, um, versus another kid that maybe we started recruiting midseason or we got on late for whatever reason. Uh, I think we're always definitely going to go with the guy that we know more about, even if, even if talent-wise, you know, player X from California may be a little more talented. We might not know all there is to know about that kid. And I think when you are playing with, you know, 25 or however many scholarships you're playing with on a given year, you want to be as close to, you want to have a high as hit rate as you can. And I think if you go with the more of a sure thing, you know, a guy that you know about, you know, he may have, 
some some uh, drawbacks, but uh, if you know everything there is to know about that kid and you're comfortable with taking him versus a guy you may be rolling the dice on, I think um, you'll do that 10 out of 10 times. And actually at the, the first uh, player personnel symposium years ago, Trent Balky, the former GM of the 49ers, he was in the same thing. Uh, if, you know, if you're the 49ers and you are, you know, and you're in the fifth round, you got a guy from San Jose State versus a guy from New Hampshire that you're going to draft. Um, you're probably going to go with the guy from San Jose State because you probably know more about him because he's closer. He knows more about, you know, the geographical area. He knows probably more about the culture in that state. And he's just, he's probably more of a safe bet than going with something that you you might not know as much about i think that that has so much value as much as we we get enamored by you know the upside word um, Mm -hmm. there's something to be said for for knowing what you're going to get and that brings me to the next question which is how do you evaluate the character and and the background when it comes to finding somebody that fits your culture, the tough and nasty blue collar mentality. Um, for us, it's intellectual brutality. Um, you know, if, if that's something that really is important to you, um, you got a process to it. You, you got certain questions you ask. So like, what, how do you approach that when you're trying to make sure, Hey, yeah, this guy's great on film, but, um, based on what information we gathered from high school coach and from the homework that we did and checking out as much as we could possibly check on, on his background, He's not a character fit. Okay, why? And I think that goes back to, you know, having a staff full of great recruiters, which I, I feel we do, um, being able to ask the questions like you mentioned and being able to make sure that player is going to fit our culture and talking to, you know, not only the kid and having a strong relationship with him, but the parents, their champion, their coach. If they have a personal quarterback trainer or if they work with a personal offensive line coach you know, asking them, you know, do they love football? Um, one of the things, uh, we had a former scout sit down with us at Purdue, and he was talking about, you know, different things uh, that can help you guys in the, the college game that kind of translate from the NFL. But one of the interesting things that he mentioned to us that you can do, you know, when you're trying to find more out about the character of the kids Find out something from the, maybe the high school coach or somebody in their life that um, they don't know you know about them. And, you know, you may ask some different questions uh, to see, you know, if they're being open and honest with you uh, regarding whatever that is that you know about them. But uh, that's one thing that you can do to, uh, to kind of find out more about them and their character. Also, this is another thing I picked up. Uh, at the symposium, you know, having roundtable talks with a lot of people at other schools, but uh, your players are your best recruiters. And once you get these guys on campus, you know, letting them, you know, maybe it's an overnight visit where they're really getting to spend a quality amount of time with a current player on your team. And then they're able to report back to you, you know, this guy is a, a clear fit with our culture. Um, we got to do whatever we can to get them. And those players will usually help you, you know, continue to maintain the relationship that they establish. 
with the kid on his visit or you know if you know they spend time with them and hey this guy we, we don't want him he's not going to fit the culture here um he's not going to be able to survive once he gets here so i think the players are your best recruiters and being able to get a lot of that information on on culture fit as well but i think uh that's kind of how we go about, you know, making sure you have a good enough relationship so you can get the honest, open truth from the kid and the people that are close to him, as well as your players. I really like the the vetting out of the information by, and, and then also checking with the kid and seeing if he gives you the same answer. Yeah. Uh, because at the same time, sometimes you got to make sure that the coach that you're talking to is giving you the, the right information too and and kind of lean into mm-hmm. questions like if they give you yeah. a, a a brief answer try to try to string that out try to be like okay but why like leave questions op- as open-ended as possible so that they can explain it themselves instead of you basically just moving on to the next question mm-hmm. the thing that i wanted to ask before i let you go is the point that's really stood out a ton to me is just the relationship your staff and your program has focused on building with high schools in the state of Ohio and, and within the region mm-hmm. that you recruit. So what, what does that communication level look like and how have y'all been able to engage that area and really build your brand? Because that's something that's really stood out and it definitely has its you know back-end benefits of when you need that information when you need that background um it's there and you can access it yeah so coach fickle you know going back to his time at ohio state and you know as a player and a coach he's been in the state of ohio for his entire career and i think going back to his early years as a coach he's been able to really establish those relationships and going to the Ohio coaches clinic and, you know, speaking in front of all the the area high school coaches around the state and locally as well. uh, You know, a lot of the schools have uh, spring stands where uh, a lot of the area high school coaches get together and they'll usually bring in, you know, coach fickle and some other speakers to talk and uh, really just at those uh, you know, building relationships with the area coaches and um, continuing to just build that rapport and inviting them into our facility as well for spring practice or, um, you know, bring your players to camp, you know, whatever it is, you know, always having that open door policy where they're always able to come in, you know, watch film or, you know, do whatever it is, just making them feel welcome and, um, keeping that line of communication open with them. I think he's done a phenomenal job with, and, you know, you see it paying off with just the strong relationships we have with them and uh, reflecting, you know, with our, our recent recruiting success and that translating onto the field. Yeah. And the thing I just hearing coach Fickle talk about program, the cool part is, is how he's talked about, you know, year one selling the vision year two is, it's hard to see the vision, but you're still, you know, describing it and letting everybody know this is the direction you're going. And year three, you finally start to see it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think, 
I think this is this is definitely a big year for y'all. Um, this is year three for us, so it's it's definitely an important one for us. You know, winning our last three games of the season this past year, but you know, kind of looking towards you know next year in this class. Like, what what advice would you have to recruits, especially going through this COVID time period because it's so different. Um, you know, normally I kind of ask our, our guests on the show like, hey, you know, what's your you know main advice to recruits? But I think right now. Um, you know, there's so much uncertainty about the season. Like what advice do you have for juniors and seniors, especially seniors um, going through the recruiting process right now? It's tough, man, with the, the uncertainty. You know, we have uncertainty, but, you know, the high school, I can't imagine what they're thinking just with the, you know, testing and, and being able to make sure safety is first and foremost. Um, but if you're, a junior or senior in high school right now, I would just say, you know, keep staying in shape and maintaining all the, you know, the time that you spend in the weight room and all of the position work that you've done in your career to this point, you know, stay out there, you know, within reason, you know, with social distancing and everything in mind, uh, but just go out there with your buddies if you're not able to have you know, sanctioned practices yet, um, do some drills, you know, stay in shape as much as you can because, uh, you know, maybe they, they move the season into the spring or maybe we do, you know, have some type of season in the fall for high schools. But, um, you know, when that time comes, you want to be ready for sure. And we've had, uh, we've done uh, a little bit of a virtual combine. I know some other schools have done it as well, but uh, just having those kids that you're not able to see in camp, uh, perform for you and do some position drills and take their height and weight uh, and run for you and, and really being able to see, you know, not just the time, but perform when they're, they're running the shuttle or uh, it definitely doesn't go unnoticed. It helps us, you know, in our evaluation process, but it also helps you to hopefully still maintain what you built to this point. And, um, you know, if you're a junior, you know, hopefully you have at least two seasons, but with the junior year being the biggest, just trying to continue to work on your craft, you know, position drills, um, kind of the same thing as the senior guys, just within reason, just doing what, as much as you can and uh, staying in contact with the, any college recruiters that are in contact with you and, and just kind of building your brand as a recruit and being as accessible as you can for when these guys come and, um, college coaches and and support staff members like myself are looking to talk to you and and start or build that relationship and uh, you know just trying to be optimistic because you know it can definitely if you uh, have the the wrong mindset about it you know it can definitely start to affect your personal life and uh, if you let it affect you it can but trying to be optimistic and just keep that open mindset that you know, hey, we're going to have a season, just let me do my part and, you know, practicing good hygiene and everything to hopefully, you know, allow us to have some type of season for all levels of football. And, and the, just the whole point of just being ready when the time comes and you could use this as a as an obstacle or an opportunity, you know, an opportunity like you have no interruptions. Like this is the most free slash downtime yeah. that anybody will ever have. And you know, how you choose to use it is, is your choice. And 
that's that's a fact so then for parents going through this trying to advise their kids on you know especially for seniors making decisions what's the best advice you would give parents because if you look at across college football the commitments are up all across the board everywhere uh, yeah and a lot of these commitments these kids haven't been to these campuses and they haven't visited they visited you know virtually you know seen you know tours and seen facilities and, and seen pictures and videos and, and content that way but it's so different uh there's there's definitely um a, a bit of the unknown and it's going to be different whenever these recruits are going to be able to finally go visit these schools so what advice would you have to parents and people advising recruits i think for parents and people advising recruits you just got to ask the proper questions uh what whatever is important to you you know in, in the recruiting process whether it's a specific major or uh you know dorms or whatever it is that is important to you as a parent for your son knowing all that there is to know about the schools that are recruiting you and that you're considering so that, Hey, I can make a game plan when, you know, September or whenever it opens up, you know, I know all that there is to know about these schools from zoom calls and, you know, different virtual visits that I've taken. Now let me go see that in person uh, because it is, you know, Cincinnati, you know, it's different than other colleges and, people need to get out there and, and compare, you know, what it is they're looking at because uh, places may sell the same major or you, know, you may have a handful of schools that you like, but until you get out there and see them and, you know, what makes the campus vibe different than from this place to the next place and really just seeing how, you know, people are on campus or, you know, if you're in a big city versus a college town, so much goes into it, but I think as a parent uh, or somebody that's advising a recruit, you know, if you can, you know, make a checklist and talk to the people that you need to talk to um, and, and know as much as you possibly can, I think it, it could allow for you to make a, a quick, quicker, I guess, uh, once things open up and you can get out. Yeah, and, and I think not only asking the right questions, but I, I think recruits now have the chance to fact check re recruiters yeah. across the country. Uh, you can't just throw, you know, yeah, we have a top 10 engineering program in the country. Or we have the number one kinesiology sports management program in the country. Like, do you though? Like, let me oh, go yeah. this real quick. Now, and, and that's why I try to avoid it because it's so, the, the rankings change every year. I mean, our school is uh -huh. a, a world-class education and depending on what you look at, it's like, 10, 15, 17, 21, wh whatever it is, it's, it's high. Right. So yeah. that's where I think if, if I'm a recruit, I'm going to search everything that's important to me about this university, because it's going to be on YouTube. It's going to be on Twitter. It's going to be on Google. Like they, they made that for a reason. It's literally yeah, absolutely. the best source of info. And you can double check that with the, you know, your lead recruiter and follow up and say, Hey, um, this is what I read about the program. And it also shows we've had some, some conversations with the staff about recruits that have started to do their own, you know, their own recon and, and, and research on us. And that shows me this kid's interested. This kid really wants what we have to offer. And that's a, that's a positive sign. Like that's going to help me be more proactive, even, you know, beyond what's normal for, for that recruit. So 
I guess the last question would be, what's the advice you have for high school coaches, um, especially with just how involved you and your staff are with, with these high school coaches, but with how important their role is right now with it being dead, you know, with it being a dead period and not knowing when recruits can go back on campus, um, you know, recruiting coordinators for, for high schools, that's a role that's become so mm -hmm. important. We've talked about it on the show before, but what advice would you have to those coaches that are, you know, promoting their players and trying to, to make sure that they're getting all the right looks? I think for the high school coaches, um, you know, with us doing the, the virtual combine stuff, being able to, you know, and going back to, you know, maintaining proper social distancing and protocol and everything, uh, being able to help conduct that and, you know, helping get accurate height, accurate weight, um, you know, making sure all the drills are run properly and um, helping them do that and, and stay in shape and stay ready for a season as much as they can. But also for the, the ones that are being recruited, them, you know, for the recruiting process, you know, depending on who's involved in their life, um, helping them with the decision, you know, the coach may be the one that's really um, taking charge of the process for them and being able to, maybe it's being in on a Zoom call with them or talking to a coach and, and providing information on the kid. Um, but I think keeping everybody ready to go for when we do have a season and just hoping that maintain all the different schools they're talking to throughout the process and just being there to just advise them because, you know, if a coach knows a kid might not have uh, a role model in their life and, you know, they can easily, you know, prey on them and, and kind of feed them everything they want to hear about the uniforms and everything. Uh, the high school coach may be able to step in and say, hey, look, you know, uniforms and, you know, all, all the shiny things are nice, but um, maybe we we take a step back and, and reevaluate um, everything and just really help them make the, the best decision for them as possible. Yeah, be that voice of reason for them. Yeah. Dude, this was awesome. And I, I really appreciate you, you know, taking time out of your day to, to jump on the show and talk shop with us. So for, for yeah, man, I appreciate you having me. Where can our listeners find you on Twitter? Like, what's your what's your handle? Uh, my personal handle is Austin Schaefer Two, uh, all one word. And then, if you want to follow all things Cincinnati recruiting, uh, UC underscore recruiting. Uh, our graphics team and video team they do a phenomenal job of pumping out content and uh, just a phenomenal job they do. And I can't say enough great things about them. But that's where you can find us. Awesome. Awesome. So it's, it's red for offense and black for defense, right? Or have it flipped? Yes. Okay. Yep, got you it. got it. Got it. Awesome. It, man. it was kind of a, uh, it started as a, the fire fest. They, they were doing like the bat signal stuff and we, we wanted to kind of do something to, to kind of get the fan base involved. Cause they are really passionate about recruiting and it took them, uh, it didn't actually didn't take them long to, to catch on. Um, and every time, you know, somebody would, the first one would be sent out, you know, everybody would be all up in arms and, uh, it's just something that really caught on and it's fun to, to watch the, the fans interact with that as well. 
Yeah, that's cool. And uh, it's it's funny because our, our defensive staff likes to call themselves the dark side. So uh, you got to keep it rolling. So again, I appreciate you for your time, man. And uh, thanks so much. Yeah, thank you, man, for having me. And uh, we'll catch up soon. Yeah, man.